You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. We have a special edition for you today, another one of these episodes where we go out and talk with, with some of our state biologists from across the country that, that are involved in some periodic waterfowl surveys during the, during the fall and winter. We'd like to bring that information to you when we, when we can get it. Uh, and, and you will know from past episodes that we've spoken with biologists from Illinois and Louisiana, Wisconsin, uh, maybe a few other locations. And, and so today we're going to be welcoming in a special guest from, uh, from the state of Missouri, Frank Nelson, wetland ecologist with the Missouri Department of Conservation. Frank is going to be sharing with us the results of, uh, of a recent survey in that state, also going to be just telling us a little bit about that survey. Uh, and and I, I do know that, that some folks have asked if we can bring information to you from other parts of the country. And I think uh, one thing I want to just let you know is we're reaching out to, these, to the states that actually fly these surveys or conduct these waterfowl surveys, and, and thus far, most of these have just uh, are, are occurring within the, the central or, or Mississippi flyways. And so, we uh, we have received some of your input. We appreciate that, and we're trying to get some information out to you. But you can also tune into the migration alerts through other uh, forms of social media for the other um, for those other uh, other regions. So, appreciate your patience and your understanding and all that. And so, for today, I will welcome in Frank Nelson. Uh, Frank, thanks for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, and so Frank, tell us just a little bit about what you do for the Missouri Department of Conservation. Sure. Well, um, during the fall, I kind of basically aggregate all the waterfowl numbers we get from uh, over 22 different areas. We've got uh, MDC areas, 18 actively managed uh, wetland areas, if you will. 15 of those are where we manage a draw typically, and then we have a couple walk-in areas. Uh, as well. And then also I uh, tabulate the numbers from the uh, four National Wildlife Refuges, Lus Bluffs, Swan Lake, Clarence Cannon, and Mingo. And so the biologists and managers, uh, we typically do ground surveys on uh, the first part of the week, so Monday, Tuesdays, and uh, every other week for the most part throughout the season. And um, uh, basically just to keep track in terms of an index of abundance, do we have more or less uh, of birds than we had last week. And uh, we typically try to do that through ground counts, like I said, um, and then, but we'll do aerial counts as well in different regions. We try to do that at the beginning of the season uh, and then towards the later half of the season. And so, um, but weather and scheduling um, can, <laughs> seems like the, you know, you need to have good equipment to fly and you need to make sure that that's working in working order. But uh, so, Flying hasn't been as consistent, and so we really uh, lean in on those ground counts. And uh, we use that information to kind of keep status in, in terms of where we are with migration. And then also after the season, these numbers really come in handy uh, when we're looking at uh, uh, 
you know, the harvest regulations. So um, we'll also fly uh, the midwinter, which is uh, a larger effort uh, up and down the flyway with the Fish and Wildlife Service as well. So that's kind of in a nutshell how we keep track of our uh, our fall migration, basically from October to uh, the end of January. Okay, that's yeah. That, where you ended there is what I was going to ask you: is when you start and, and conclude the surveys. Have you been able to conduct any of the aerial surveys this year? I know you said you you tried to do those at the front and back end. Have you done those yet, or been able to? Yeah, we've had a couple people uh, able to fly in a, a few of the regions. Uh, we had one in southeast that was canceled due to to weather, but then uh, the, the following uh, Monday we we're able to get up and survey. Um, last week I was able to fly over west central Missouri and, and um, kind of assess the situation there. So we have been able to get up a little bit, and then um, yeah, we've been doing the ground counts. We kind of hit. The way that our seasons open, we have three zones, the north, middle, and south zones. And uh, the way those kind those things and also with the, the youth weekends are stacked on top of each other, we really do kind of a, a weekly count uh, kind of there at the end of October through the 1st of November. So we've kind of come off of that uh, a marathon, and now we're kind of stacking things every other week. So. Um, that's kind of our, our status of where we're at today. Okay, so every other week you conduct your surveys, and, and the most recent surveys were probably mostly ground count based. Do I understand that correctly? Yes. Okay. That is correct. And, and also just the scope here to make sure our listeners understand this, this where the, the surveys are conducted. Uh, do I understand correctly that you're only conducting these surveys on your public, on your state-owned lands, or do you include any private and, or federal lands in here as well? Yes, it's mostly the, it's all our state uh, intensively managed wetland areas and then also the national wildlife refuges. So we don't do any private land. No private land, but there there are, there's a lot of private land, a lot of well-managed wetlands on private land all around those, those WMAs and refuges, correct? Yeah, and that's what's really been kind of neat in terms of the success story for wetlands in Missouri is the fact that you know, our, our these wetland areas now serve as a, a core of a broader habitat of managed wetlands across the state. If you look uh, in the lower grand, the number of WRP and and uh, public land that or private land that's there around Fountain Grove is and Swan Lake is pretty tremendous. And uh, St. Louis has got a, a really strong history of of duck clubs there. So around uh, Clarence Canyon, BK Leach, Merrington's Clare, Columbia Bottoms. That's just a, a small part of the habitat that's available uh, in that section. And, and then in southeast Missouri, of course, you've got not only the, the WRP, but uh, you have the rice ground there as well. So, yeah, our, our conservation areas are nested within uh, a matrix of, of different habitats provide, that provide stopovers for, for migratory waterfowl. And Frank, you and I have exchanged emails leading up to this, and you were sharing with, with me some of the some of the thought and some of the projects that Missouri Department of Conservation has conducted here in the past with respect to sort of, uh, I guess you might say, a uh, historical analysis of some of your survey data and how, how those private lands and those complexes, as you've described, may have, may have changed um, the, the distribution of birds there at local scales. And so that's a topic that, uh, that I think we want to get into at some point in the future, but I, I think you identified a couple of additional people within the, within the department there that we'd want to have on to participate in that discussion. So we look forward to that sometime in the future. I know you guys with the Missouri Department of Conservation have been 
uh, have been a strong advocate for using science to understand how your management actions are influencing duck populations there for your constituents. And so we definitely want to hear about that and bring that information to the listeners. But we'll do that sometime in the future. So uh, I guess let's orient ourselves to the most recent surveys that you had. We were conducting or were we recording this episode here on November 25th, on Monday. And when were the most recent surveys? You might have touched on this earlier, but just to clarify, what were the most recent surveys for you? Yes, it was uh, last week. And so it would have been um, basically the, the 18th and, and 19th of, of November is when we did, did these last surveys. And, uh, you know, um, basically our typical migration curve is uh, it starts out slow, uh, through October, but then it really ramps up as we head towards Thanksgiving. And so um, this year, uh, November, early November was really cold and we were actually above. Uh, we were looking pretty good. We were seeing more mallards earlier um, and uh, things were kind of exciting. Um, but uh, the last couple of weeks, we had the, the uh, Veterans Day front and um, Seems like we lost birds with with that front. Uh, we were hoping to gain some, but uh, when I was doing the, the numbers last week, I was looking at the totals, and um, we we lost a, a lot of our um, other dabbling ducks, the pintail and, and, and green wing teal, and we didn't get a, a big onslaught of mallards. We went up a little bit, um, but uh, overall the the numbers really dropped. And this is typically a time in which we have a really steep peak. We just, um, especially in recent years. And that's what's always interesting to me, quite honestly, is what's the migration curve going to look like this year? Because no, no year is the same. Um, sometimes you have a steep peak that then drops off. Other years you'll have a, you know, a steep peak and then a plateau. Um, other times you may have a couple peaks, a, a, a you know, bimodal peak. Um, and so this year uh, it did break away from our recent trends from the last five years. And, uh, you know, looking at the weather forecast this this um, week, I'm, I'm encouraged that hopefully we'll, I'll have better news uh, next week because uh, we've got weather coming across the prairies and snow is going to be coming across with that system too. And so hopefully it'll be an uh, opportunity for more birds to be uh, pushed down and uh, come through Missouri. And hopefully they'll stay a little bit as opposed to just moving right on through. Yeah, so you're thinking there's still a fair number of birds uh, north of you that, that are holding out in Iowa, maybe South Dakota? Yeah, I think so. Just because, I mean, this, this last week's uh, numbers was about 450,000, which is about half of our five-year average. And so um, I just, now, and this year it's, it's, it's totally different in Missouri. Um, you know, I had to go back with the, the great thing about it, uh, my job is the fact that we've got this data set that goes back uh, to the seventies. And so when I get a weird year, I can kind of go back and look when I was looking at, uh, just mallards. When, when was the last time we had mallards, uh, you know, over six, you know, 60% by second week of, of November, that was 2013. And if you look at the, the weather, then November of 2013 was colder than normal. So, you know, that kind of explains things, but then, <laughs> so last week I was trying to make sense of it. And we have had numbers this low since 2002, 2001. So that's been a while. And when I looked at the conditions, well, that year it was a pretty dry year. So habitat was limited. Well, this year it hasn't it's been anything but dry. We've had eight of the last 10 months 
have been above average in terms of uh, precipitation. Um, and that's what kind of scares me a little bit in the fact that we've got minimal food in certain places. Now there's others that have, have decent food, but uh, a lot of places along the river, it's not only do we not have food, but the water can be a little bit deeper than it needs to be for, for migrating and foraging ducks. And so, um, uh, unfortunately, I think what happened a little bit last year was we had birds come in, um, but then uh, we didn't have a lot of food around. The cold weather came through and they said, hey, there's a free ticket to someplace else that may, the conditions might be a little bit better. So um, that that front though, I mean, the harvest, uh, that kind of was coinciding with, we had the middle zone open and then uh, Monday, that Veterans Day, the harvest was really good. Uh, looks like harvest was uh, decent last Thursday too. I wasn't expecting. We had some rain blow through and some some winds, but there wasn't a lot of really harsh uh, winter severity going on further north. But it looks like the harvest did pick up last Thursday. So you know, uh, perhaps birds were moving around. Maybe we had a little push then. Um, so we'll kind of have to see what happens. I did one other thing in terms of looking at historical data, I, you know, Andy Radke, the other wetland uh, waterfowl biologist, he uh, was recommended looking at other flood years. And so I went back and 1995 and 1993, 93 was a great flood uh, that really affected St. Louis. And uh, I wasn't encouraged. 95 was, you kind of had this steep peak and plateau, um, but 93 was uh, uh, pretty lackluster. It was pretty flat migration curve. So I'm hoping that's not the case this year, um, and uh, we'll just kind of have to stay tuned and see what happens this this week. And maybe we'll have we'll have something special to be thankful for. <laughs> you and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient, and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. You guys have so much data going back so long. It'd be pretty easy to get lost in that data. But as I'm thinking about the comment, the comment, yeah, the comment you just made about the flat migration curve during a flood year, you know, that could be explained by something as simple as because the surveys are conducted only on your state land during a flood year, you have a lot more habitat out on private land. And it yeah, could absolutely. be it could be that those birds are just spread out. And, and it's really important for people to remember the scope of your surveys. They're only on these uh, – your conservation areas and in the refuges. And so that's not saying that's all the, – that's, that's the uh, necessarily exactly representative of everything across the landscape. You have to always keep that in mind. Um, but uh, nevertheless, and you also have a lot of harvest data uh, from your conservation areas. Whenever you were talking about uh, certain days here this this season being good harvest days, that's I'm presuming that was based on your the data that you've collected at those conservation areas. Am I right on that? Yeah, that's correct. Everybody that comes through the draw um, fills out a green card, basically, so we can uh, keep track of harvest, and they turn those in, and, and that is valuable information. Um, uh, to uh, kind of keep track of things, and yeah, that's that's where that data comes from. So yes, we're we're data rich, and you're exactly right in terms of uh, your other point in terms of scale. And 
Yeah, just because we may not have high numbers on a few of our areas, they could be more spread out. And that's definitely the case this year um, along the northwest Missouri and uh, the kind of middle Missouri. Uh, there's a lot of flood water. They did not weren't able to get out and fix, fix the uh, levees. And uh, so and Gavin's Point has been releasing water. And so the Missouri River has been high. And uh, so there's a lot of private land that has a lot of water spread out. And uh, so, um, yeah, definitely the birds could be spread out uh, as well. So the other part of that, Frank, is that all the flooding that occurred earlier in the year uh, might have influenced the habitat conditions that you're seeing now. So uh, presumably, uh, you tell me if this is correct, but some of those rivers being flooded so long prevented some of the typical habitat management that might have been might have occurred on those on those private lands are you seeing are you seeing a a different type of habitat uh composition out there yes well this year we were seeing a little bit of everything out there um you had areas that uh private land where you had levees that were blown and um you, you had where the farmers couldn't there's a lot of uh crops not in the missouri river bottoms this year they uh weren't able to get uh, crops out there, um, or um, it just, uh, or there was delayed planting, and then we had this early um, fall too. So um, just a wide range of things happening. You had places where you didn't have crops in, and uh, in those some of those locations, you did have a little bit of a drawdown where you had some moist soil come in, um, and so uh, other locations like some of our managed areas. Um, you had flooding and therefore where we typically have good moist soil, um, we don't have any food. Um, and so it really ranges, it's across the whole spectrum, uh, depending upon where you are in the state and uh, even within a specific impoundment. We've got some areas like Fountain Grove, uh, didn't look, they had floods early, but uh, water got off and they had a phenomenal response uh, in a couple of their uh, units. Uh, whereas, you know, the other side perhaps, um, not not so much. And so we, we've got that across the state. And so uh, it really is. And when I'm looking at the migration curve, too, on, from a statewide perspective, that's an aggregate of everything. Whereas if you look at individual areas, for example, last year, you had a, a wide, if you could think of that, uh, a different shape of migration curve, we had it on different areas. <laughs> it, it was real variable. So when I kind of group things together, too, I'm kind of, uh, you don't get that variability that you see on the individual locations. And that's something I believe you talked about with, with Larry and, and the difference in scale, um, and which is challenging because these birds are, they're moving through. We've got, you know, if you think about they're flying from, um, you know, uh, high altitudes and Bill Beatty, some of the, the research we did with the transmitter birds, you know, they stop in those places where you have, big expanses of water so you would think hey this is great because we got lots of water in the missouri river bottoms and mississippi river bottoms um and so that's that's kind of a big oh if you think of an interstate the exit sign hey turn off here um but like you go if you go through some 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 urban areas not all exits have uh have food available and so uh <laughs> this year that's going to be the case some spots they're going to find some food other places they're going to uh, continue down the interstate, unfortunately, and and until uh, they find a, a spot that has food for them. Yeah, and so hunters out there chasing the birds need to be opportunistic. They need to be uh, they need to be 
observant of what they're seeing the birds do and and uh, just knowing that the birds are going to be encountering things this year that are likely different from what they did last year in many cases and so you just have to be opportunistic and observe it the way the birds are and so that it kind of makes it interesting as well and and i can also i can also tell you f- uh, from a personal perspective being able to speak with folks like aaron yetter in illinois and you in missouri and I've also spoken with Luke. Uh, we're gonna Luke Naylor in Arkansas. We're gonna have him on a podcast in the future, uh, and then of course Larry uh, and then Drew up in Missouri or Wisconsin. So we're looking all throughout the flyway here, and I can hear how things are uh, playing out in one state, or they think they're playing out in one state, given what their surveys are telling them. And then uh, Aaron, for example, was trying to explain the. Uh, a, a drop in the number of birds that they had as a result of the closure. I think it was the opening of the hunting season in neighboring Missouri. And so that emphasizes a point that Larry made either by the, uh, as a result of weather, strong cold front coming through or warm front coming through or, you know, strong Gulf moisture southerly flow pushing birds uh, or giving birds an opportunity to, to migrate north a little bit even, or the opening or closing of a, of a hunting season in a neighboring state. All of those things can, can change bird numbers, bird distributions dramatically in a short period of time. And so it's kind of neat to, to be able to talk about this and see some of that uh, play out in, in our conversation. So Yeah, they, I mean, they respond to multiple stim- stimuli. So whether it's disturbance, um, yeah, the weather uh, also – uh, in mild years, uh, last year we saw this in another, I think it was 2017, uh, when we get rain events, you know, there you get that shallow water. It may be mild and you think that we've got the same ducks, but then uh, the weather conditions change where the habitat is and those birds key in and uh, being kind of uh, figuring that out, it can help you uh, turn, you know, a, a kind of a so-so season into a, a good day in the field. So paying attention to those things are important. Absolutely. I, whenever I was growing up in North Mississippi, it got to a point where I I had a place dialed in so well that I wouldn't even really worry about hunting in that area unless it rained a lot and the river got out of its banks because the, the ducks would get in a pattern, predictable pattern where they're difficult to hunt. Uh, but the moment you got that newly flooded habitat, it was it was predictable uh, almost every time you went. You know, the birds would want to be in there. And so I just targeted my, my hunting behaviors to match those kind of conditions. And, and that made for some really nice memories. Uh, and so that just speaks exactly to what you're talking about. They, they do exploit that newly available habitat and it happens at different scales. And it's kind of neat to be able to talk about it with all you guys. Absolutely. When are you going to be conducting surveys next? Yeah, so uh, next week I'll be posting our, our – so on the 4th, I believe, is on next Wednesday, I'll be posting our next waterfowl and habitat survey. So you can go to uh, our MDC website, and uh, we've got uh, waterfowl reports up there. And uh, so I'll have the numbers and then a little narrative in terms of what I think is happening uh, in terms of birds moving to and through. And so hopefully we'll, I'll have better news um, next week. So that's – It'll be next week. Uh, I know a couple of weeks ago you cited the Veterans Day storm that came through there, uh, and that, that put a fair bit of ice. I think it was that storm that put a fair, fair bit of ice on your wetlands there. But I, in, talk, in talking to a few folks <clears throat> last week, I know that I believe around that time some wetlands had about two inches of ice on them, but now those things have uh, fully thawed out, and uh, I think it was uh, – I think they were describing the birds had moved into some sort of a stagnant pattern, you know. So uh, things can yeah, 
do you have any i'm assuming this there's no more ice left in missouri you guys have warmed up and pretty much all your wetlands are open now right yeah even northwest missouri which <laughs> kind of referred to as the tundra they've thought out um and so yeah that uh veterans day storm things locked up across the state uh it took a little bit longer for the place places further north to, to thaw out but uh for now we we don't have any ice and we'll just have to see what this next uh couple cold fronts uh, brings to the state. And then uh, this Thursday is the opener for the South Zone. So um, we'll be able to uh, have folks hunt uh, across the state, you know, until the North Zone closes on December 31st. So we've got a, a good month here. So uh, folks can go uh, across the state. Okay. Well, best of luck to you and the rest of the hunters in your state, Frank. And thanks again for for uh, for coming on and i hope you have a happy thanksgiving and i hope all hunters out there find something to be thankful about uh, in the process so thanks frank absolutely thank you appreciate it a big thank you to our special guest today frank nelson with the missouri department of conservation uh, we also thank our producer clay barrett who does a fantastic job uh, working these podcasts up and we thank you the listener for tuning in we also wanted wanted to tell you we are recording this uh, on november 25th uh, the monday of thanksgiving week on Thursday, we're going to have a special episode for you. It's going to be sort of a narrative podcast. Uh, we're pulling from uh, the Ducks Unlimited magazine archives, and we're going to have someone narrate a story. It is called Duck Blind Intervention. It's a story by Doug Larson. I think you'll enjoy it very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.